Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Jacobs. Jacobs with running room right up the middle. Jacobs is on his way. The Raiders are going to win this game. An absolute savage. Look at the block by Jakob Johnson, his fullback. And Jacobs, who has been just a man possessed all game. Motion. Daniels keeps it. Sidesteps one defender and waltzes into the end zone. Touchdown, LSU. Modern football. You read the end man in the line of scrimmage away from where the play is going to go. Injury that year. 2021, just six carries. That's Wilson. Look how physical he is when he catches the ball and he's free. 30, 20, inside the 10, touchdown. That boy good. Wow. Big play by Johnny Wilson. Spencer Rattler. Wants to launch a deep one, and it is caught! Juice Wells all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! 72 yards! Forget to play along, dbacks.com slash 50-50. Boy, Zach Davies has looked terrific. He's got five strikeouts. As Marte goes down, swinging a start to fifth. That's been a real nice mix. We talked a lot about the off-speed stuff from Zach Davies, and he's going to throw a lot of off-speed stuff, but he's been very judicious with his fastball when he throws it in the zone, when he throws it out of the zone, and that has set up those off-speed pitches. Now on fourth down, rolling out there, going for it. Rashada launching downfield, looking for the end zone, and it's caught touchdown! Gillery, 47 yards, and a touchdown for Arizona State, and the first touchdown pass for Jaden Rashada of his college career. To do bitch on the way, he strikes one well to left field, back to the wall, screaming through the night. It's a grand slam, and Acuna doing MVP things here in the top of the second inning. His 30th home run of the year, he makes history with that blast. And man, it's one to remember. A grand slam at Dodger Stadium. He touches the plate. He's the only man in Major League Baseball history to register 30 homers and 60 or more stolen bases in a year. Man, what a moment. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, September 1st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2100.7, the Raiders over under seven and a half wins in 2023. FSU versus LSU, who wins on Sunday night. More college football, do South Carolina beat North Carolina? The Diamondbacks. Do they win the weekend series against the Orioles? That starts tonight at Chase Field. ASU football, do we learn anything last night? And what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Here's a schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, the finale of our 32 NFL team previews. The Las Vegas Raiders, Vic Tafer, will join us from The Athletic. 9-30, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include some ASU observations from the Thursday night win over Southern Utah. Then we'll get to... Uh, some uh, Diamondbacks and the National League West and Wild Card and whatever in that segment. Also in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will be topped by a combination of rip from the headlines and some from the wire things. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time and some college football discussion. Big day tomorrow in college football, the first big day of the season. Right now, though, on to the Pipeline. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as usual, we start, as usual, we try to say, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, the Raiders over or under seven and a half wins in 2023. And Kayla's here and has the early return. We are currently in a 50-50 split. I understand that because a lot of, uh, you know, you, you can shop around and get all kinds of numbers for the Raiders' season win total. There are many questions in year two with head coach Josh McDaniels, year one with quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. The total for almost the entire summer was seven and a half, but that number has gone down to six and a half in the last two or three weeks at several worldwide locations. We're going with seven and a half. That's been the dominant number for the majority of the last three months, actually. So we're going to go with the seven and a half. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who wins the uh, most hype game of the uh, college football week one schedule? Sunday night, and this game's in Orlando this year. Florida State or LSU? Kayla, what do we have here? LSU leading the way at 66.7% of the vote. Florida State trailing at 33.3%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Another thing, you can shop around and get numbers on this game. Uh, LSU is low as a two-point favor, high as two-and-a-half. There's actually a, apparently a three or two, maybe even a couple of threes in Nevada this morning from what I just heard a few moments ago. Uh, last year, Florida State won the opener, same night of the season a year ago. Actually, it might have been the Monday night game last year. It was either Sunday night or Monday night. It was an opening weekend thing, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Florida State won that game 24-23. That game was actually in New Orleans in the Superdome last year. Meanwhile, uh, FSU and LSU, that's the only top 25 matchup in week one. This is a schedule which I think is the worst that I can ever remember in a week one. And in the it's the first opening week schedule with just one top 25 matchup in 20 years, according to CBS Sports Network last night. The schedule's so weak that South Carolina hosting North Carolina is the college game day location. Those teams combined for 10 losses last season, and that's the opening college game day location. Okay. Uh, Pick any game ATS on this week's college football schedule. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks begin a three-game series tonight against the first-place Orioles, Arizona, had a much-needed day off on Thursday after being destroyed in every aspect while losing three games at the first-place Dodgers Monday through Wednesday. 
Do the Diamondbacks win the weekend series against the first-place Orioles? ASU, 34-point favorites, one by three. The Kenny Dillingham era started with a 24-21 weather-delayed victory over a really, really bad Southern Utah team. Uh, I'm going to watch a million college football games this year. I'm guessing the Southern Utah, I understand their FCS, but that, I hope, is the worst team I see play this year. Uh, they are they are not good. ASU won by three. Did we learn anything at, uh, with the start of the Kenny Dillingham era as a head coach last night for ASU? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? As the pipeline, we have all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Raiders season preview. Vic Tafer, the Athletics, scheduled to join us. The Raiders, the kings of losing close games last year. Remember we talked about the Vikings last season, during the season. Talked about them uh, when we did our Vikings season preview a few weeks ago. They were the kings of winning the close game. The Raiders were the kings of losing the close game. We'll investigate among other things, in the next segment with Vic. Once again, bottom of the hour to be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion, once again, 602-260-1060. Plus some local roundup, we'll have uh, some ASU observations from the uh, Thursday night victory over Southern Utah. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Cap on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6, uh, from 6 to 9 a.m. The Raiders uh, finished 6-11 last season. Nine of those losses by one score. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in sports zone by Vic Tafer, the athletic, to preview the Raiders. Vic, how does an NFL team lose nine games by one score? That's tough. you got to really do a good job of focusing and breaking down at the right moments, I guess. Was there like a common denominator in some of these losses at least? I think you know, the offense I didn't do enough. I think they had leads. They didn't take advantage of it. Defense wasn't very good. So they would uh, fold at the end and maybe uh, some bad coaching moves on top of the cherry on a Sunday. So it's kind of everything that uh, could have gone wrong uh, went wrong. That kind of leads into my next question. I was going to ask you: Was it a kind of was it a lack of talent on the roster, or you know, more questionable coaching decisions? Do you think? Probably just maybe uh, you know, overall chemistry. I think there was definitely talent in the roster. You look at you know. When, 
got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Max Crosby, probably three of the top 40 guys in the league, and Derek Carr that came in with high hopes last year for him. So I think talent-wise, they had guys. Just I think that the you know, new coach, new system didn't quite click, both on defense. It was too complicated on defense. And for whatever reason, Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels didn't really, didn't really click. Okay, so how did Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler attack the offseason in an effort to turn things around from uh, those close losses last year? Kind of a weird approach. They really like they kind of took a step backwards. They're not really like you know, they're trying to win, but they're also looking at looking ahead, trying to build this the right way in their words, and kind of maybe not uh, selling the future for the present. Like they kept the draft picks, so they um, they're trying to. You know, to but one of the big problems in, in, with the Raiders over the last you know, decade or so, even more than that, is really bad draft picks. They've had a horrible draft history, so that'll be the first step of turning it around is having success uh, with with your picks. You know, kind of adding to the oddities of last season, at least I think this is odd, they were 3-3 three and three in AFC West Division games, but they were 3-8 and eight in all the other games. Uh, should we read anything into those numbers, or is that just kind of a one-year thing? Yeah, I think it's a one-year thing. I think the Broncos were you know, obviously horrible last year, so that was a couple right there. So, and That's they, were, true. They, were, they, were, they were competitive with the Chiefs. I mean, not they can't beat them, but they can kind of, their offense is able to score points against in the last few years, so... Uh, the Chargers are kind of a weird team. They're always kind of uh, hard to predict. So I think it's very, very tough division. It was last year. This year probably got a little better. I think that, you know, the Broncos had a big move. And getting Sean Payton, they're going to be better. I think uh, the Chargers are healthier defensively. That's a big reason. So it's a tough, tough division. Vic Tafer, the athletic currently in the sports zone. Okay, so Jimmy Garoppolo is reunited with Josh McDaniels. Uh, so why is Derek Carr not there anymore and Jimmy G in? Just because I think Jimmy G's, you know, obviously more comfortable with the system. He, he and Josh were together in New England. I think that's, that's a big deal. I think uh, just uh, personality-wise, we a better fit. I think um, uh, Jimmy's more of an easygoing kind of guy. I think um, maybe not as high, strong as Derek is. And just, uh, you know, Derek had been here for nine years, and it's a long time for one quarterback to be here. So I think, uh, uh, you know, a change of scenery is probably best for, for everybody. Josh Jacobs, he led the league in rushing last season, signed a deal for this season just last weekend, now is uh, ready to go. He says no hard feelings. Do we believe that there are no hard feelings, and do we expect him to be full bore right out of the gate here? Yeah, the key word there was no hard feelings now. Like, at this second, there's no hard feelings. I think there, <laughs> there definitely were. I definitely, I'm sure, I think there will be in the future because I don't think they have long-term plans for him, but... Um, you know, he, he realizes that just the, the play of the running back in today's NFL, the top running back. So you really, uh, you know, he had a proven year last year. He obviously proved it. He was the league in rushing last year, but uh, didn't get the, the money he wanted. So he's got to try it again this year. I think he's fine health-wise, and he's in good shape. So I think two weeks to kind of rev up and get ready. I'm not sure it'll be like 25 touches week one, but it should be you know, a lot. It should be 18, 20. I think he'll, he'll be in there as much as he can be. Jimmy G, uh, certainly plenty of receiving weapons. Devontae Adams, they brought in Joe Jacoby Myers, Honey Renfro, seemingly healthy. Uh, Ricky tied in Michael Mayer. Uh, how might that distribution, all those receivers, any idea how that might work out? I think Devontae definitely be option one. I think they'll give him the ball a lot because he's, I think, the best guy in the league. I think um, Tony Myers, again, I think I know the system very well. He'll be a good fit. I think the thing with Jimmy this year is he wants to show he can actually throw the ball you know, deep downfield to kind of knock on him in the past. He doesn't have a big arm, and 
as kind of a think and dunk guy, which may be true, but he'll tell you that's kind of also a product of Kyle Shanahan's system. That's not what he's asked to do is not air it out. So this year, he might do more of that. So we'll see if that works. You know, Darren Waller out, you know, Mayor in. You know, how's that going to work out? Um, you know, just uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Waller was injured some last season, but uh, Mayor was certainly a productive player in college at Notre Dame. Yeah, different kind of guys. You know, Darren obviously is one of the better athletes around. Can, can, can't really cover him with either DBs or linebackers. Kind of an athletic freak. Where Mayor's more of a you know, short yardage, tough catch kind of guy. He can catch it in crowds. Not really create a lot of open space. Not really fast, but a very smart guy, so I think I might be a slower you know, adjustment for him this year. I think the new system, and they also have Austin Hooper, so they can kind of work Michael in slowly, so yeah. I'm not sure you'll see big numbers from, from Mayor this year. Okay, one thing that was not good, on, well, a few things weren't good last year, but on the offensive side, red zone touchdown rate was really bad. Uh, you know, Jimmy G, that's been something he's been good at. He's got lots of weapons here. Is that they, they, I assume they expect a big, incru- big improvement in the red zone touchdowns this year. Yeah, that's one of the big reasons they brought him in. I think they look at those numbers and his history, and Derek has not been that good the last few years for whatever reason in the red zone. So I think the plan is to you know, establish a run game. Josh will get his touches, touchdowns. But I think also you see like all the guys you know, differently. Using in the red zone like that, Adams you mentioned, and Matt Meyer, and and, and Michael Meyer, and even uh, so, I think there'll be a, a spread out attack, and then the red zone's going to get some more, more touchdowns. The offensive line, uh, led by Colton Miller, uh, was good last season. You, you would think it's going to be good when you have the league's leading rusher. Why was that group so effective last year? Were you surprised they were that good? And might do you think that continues uh, as far as their effectiveness goes this year? Yeah, I was surprised. They definitely, I think, they overachieved last year. They kind of brought the same group back this year. The only thing new guy is Greg Van Rotten, former Bills veteran. So just kind of a, you know, um, zone blocking scheme. They only really need, like, a huge standout athletes. I really think they can get Josh enough for opening. And so it's kind of the same plan as last year. They haven't really attacked it with, like, big talent, big signings. But they feel comfortable in their system and their scheme, and these guys can get it done again. Previewing the Raiders with the uh, with Dick Vic Tafer of the Athletic, uh, the defense uh, not good last season. Thirtieth in sacks, twenty eighth in yards allowed, twenty sixth in points allowed. Why was the defense that bad? And what do you forecast this season? It was a combination of uh, lack of talent and bad coaching. I would say. I think uh, Patrick Graham was first year didn't really ever get it rolling. I think he, the first excuse was too complicated and we dumped it down. It was too easy for opponents to figure out. So, never really, really got uh, his footing. I think they, the plan this year is to kind of have a defensive line carry him. That was that Max Crosby. Charlie Jones was good in, in burst last year, not overall. He needs to have a complete year this year. And then the first round draft pick was Tyree Wilson, the big time pass rusher. So, the hope is that those three guys get enough pressure on the quarterback and makes life easier for the guys behind him, our linebacker in the secondary. Okay, let's get into those guys a little bit. You know, Crosby, I think we all acknowledge, is really good, so we'll just kind of move away from him and assume he's going to be really good again. You mentioned Chandler Jones. He was wildly inconsistent while he was here, left for the big money from uh, Arizona to go to Las Vegas. Uh, kind of MIA, it seemed, last year. What are the Raiders expecting from Jones this season? Yeah, I mean, he had a really slow start last year. He didn't make a lot of plays. And he came on strong before he got hurt. So, I mean, 
he says, you know, he still has something to prove. He's in great shape. I think you, you mentioned the ups and downs. And the Warriors hope there's more you know, the steady um, results this year. But he's in good shape, and uh, you would think that with him and, and Crosby and Terry Wilson will, will have his chances to get to the quarterback. Okay, let's get to Wilson next. Yeah, he was a you know, if you watch Texas Tech games last year, he was somebody that you noticed seemingly like every play on defense. He was a definitely a difference maker. They drafted him seventh overall. What have you seen him, uh, from him thus far, and uh, what are realistic expectations for him this season? That's tough because he had that foot injury, which he kind of missed all the pre-draft workouts. They still got picked, and he actually didn't miss. Probably missed the first, I want to say, two weeks of camp. He probably started practicing about 10 days ago. So, still coming on slow. We had his first game action against the Cowboys last weekend. Uh, showed some flashes. So, just a big, powerful, explosive guy. Very raw. But you think, again, it's a good spot for him because he can learn from guys like Crosby and Jones. Doesn't have to come in and be the guy from day one. But I think they plan to move him inside a little bit and outside. Have all three guys in the game at, at some point. So, I think, you know, it's... Uh, it projects to be pretty good if he gets uh, if he stays healthy and, and learns from two guys ahead of him. Okay, the back seven, some good and not so good last year. How do you break that group down? Uh, those two groups down this season. Yeah, it's kind of a wild. It's a I don't want to say crapshoot, but it's kind of a wild card because you know the, the big guy they brought in. I guess not really a big guy, but Robert Spillane from the Steelers is kind of like a big signing back there. He's a linebacker who didn't really ever uh, take off in Pittsburgh. He had that one big hit against Derrick Henry. I think we all recall, but. Other than that, was not a lot there, but they think he's going to take the next step. He's definitely been a leadership type guy in a camp, very loud, very vocal, kind of a, a very physical player. So the hope that he takes a step up, becomes a consistent guy, we can play all, all three downs on the field. How about the secondary? Also, um, a bunch of wild cards. We got Marcus Epps from the Eagles, who never was a big name there, but he's a steady guy there. They hope he can be kind of a, a leader type here and kind of be a consistent guy, makes tackles and doesn't blow coverage, and ideally, the hope is he can be in a, um, kind of a steady influence on Trayvon Merrick, their other safety, who was a second-round pick two years ago. Hadn't done much in two years. Kind of been, uh, I don't want to say invisible, but uh, you know. But hopefully he has the talent and the athletic ability to kind of jump this year with Epps' help. And the Raiders, an excellent kicking duo with Carlson and Cole. Usually, special teams help you win the close games. That didn't quite work out for the Raiders last year. Should we just assume that the Raiders, uh, that the special teams are like the least of their concerns? Yeah, those two guys are probably, like you said, two of the best in the league. And I'd argue, like, people talk about the games they lost last year. They also won the close games. So, I mean, I think you can't. It's always, it's always easy to look back and say, well, they could have been better if they won these games. They also they won a bunch of, they had one game with Challenge Jones. Had that crazy, you know, return on the uh, on the bad lateral, yeah. so that was a crazy win. So it kind of balances out, but they're very confident. I mean, Carlson kicked a 62-yarder, I think, uh, last weekend. So he's uh, he's a guy for the Vikings will always regret letting go, but uh, he's he's nailed. So definitely, they're not worried about the kicking game uh, whatsoever. All right, so the season win total for the Raiders it uh, fluctuates uh, worldwide. I've seen as low as six and a half, high seven and a half. What do you think is a realistic Raiders win total in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I have to go over and up by a lot. Like I mentioned, it's a tough, tough division, and their first four games are brutal. But I think they'll survive. Right. And, uh, I'm going eight wins. I think. I think I won't mean I'll get to the over, but not by a lot. Vic, good stuff. Appreciate it. Have fun. Thanks. All right, well, take care. Vic Tafer, The Athletic, and uh, 
I'll get to the uh, Raiders schedule in just a second here. That concludes the 32 teams, or NFL previews, heading into the season. I want to thank Kalish, who sets all this up, and uh, you know, a lot of going, lot of stuff going on uh, for her. And uh, you know, this is a, you know, I'm, it's kind of a relief for me when this is over because I put a lot of time and research into this. But uh, it's even more for her. So thanks to her, as always, for many things. But uh, at least in the last you know, few weeks here. 32 teams in six weeks. Uh, that's like the fastest we've ever gone through this in a six-week period for 32 teams. So great job by her as far as that goes. Hopefully you all learned something. I certainly did. And, uh, you know, the reason I actually kind of started this was back in the day when I was uh, in Las Vegas and working for Jim Fi Sports and Larry Ness was hosting a show at Bally's. And he asked me to come on as a guest to help him with some NFL previews. Turned out we ended up doing all 32 teams, and uh, turns out a couple of the head honchos at Bally's decided that I should be on that show on a regular basis or something. So that kind of spiraled, uh, helped me uh, spiral into the uh, my career, quite frankly, as a talk show host. I'd done a little bit before, but not to that extent. Uh, so uh, that's kind of this all started in 1990 uh, as far as all that goes. All right, on to the Raiders' schedule. Vic mentioned the first four games. This is brutal uh, for anybody. Uh, Their first four games are Denver, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the Chargers, and three of those four games are on the road. Uh, They also have a three-straight game, a three-consecutive game stretch from November 12th through the 26th against the Jets at home in Vegas, at Miami, and home against Kansas City. So those are just two brutal stretches for a team that you know has a you know you know relatively low win total depending on where you're doing your shopping. Uh, it's pretty much you know it's, you know 17 game season. I still can't quite do the mathematics correct in my brain in that because I've been used to doing these win totals in a 16 game schedule for you know 20 years roughly, uh, but uh, six and a half, seven and a half wins in that kind of schedule, that's rough. Um, you know, I'd actually like to make a case, make a case for the Raiders over, but the schedule is going to prevent me from doing that. Uh, also, uh, this has nothing to do with actually the schedule and who they're playing, but for whatever reason, I kind of got it when the Raiders first moved to Las Vegas. I don't get it now. They have four primetime games this season. Still, the four four primetime games. So, you know, like I said, I understood it when they first moved to Las Vegas. But I don't understand why they're getting any national attention now, especially after last year with the very disappointing season. So uh, hopefully they're good because we're going to have to watch them a lot. Next uh, segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. That will include some from the ASU football game last night, the season opener against Southern Utah. ASU holds on to win it. Truth be told, part one, I only watched the first half. I did not uh, make it through the weather delay. I went to bed. Thank God the game ended between like 1 and 1.30, I'm told. Uh, And uh, I guess I didn't miss a whole lot because they only scored three points. It was 21 to 7 when I quit watching. The final score was 24-21. I did see enough to realize that... uh, I hope to God that Southern Utah is the worst college football team I see play this year. I should rephrase that. The least talented college football team that I see play this year. I understand they're FCS, but my God, they are 
you know, not good. And ASU barely beat them. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060 if you'd like to get in. General discussion, if you want to talk about ASU, Diamondbacks, whoever, whatever, NFL, college football, etc., uh, some of the topics that uh, you might be crossing your mind. All right, today's uh, local roundup is topped by ASU. 24-21 to 21 season opening uh, winners against Southern Utah. Far from impressive in the performance. Now, truth be told, I went to bed when the game was delayed by the two-hour weather delay. I went to bed... Uh, at like 10.05 as soon as the Dodgers and the uh, Braves game ended. Uh, ASU at that time was leading 21-7 to at halftime. Uh, they win 24-21. Basically, uh, they had a five-minute span where they scored two touchdowns, and the rest of the game, they weren't very good. Uh, ASU was favored by 34 points in this game. They won by three over Southern Utah, an FCS-level team, Badly lacking talent. Some uh, Here are some first-half observations while I was watching. Kenny Dillingham in his first game as a head coach, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, kind of uh, he vowed to be aggressive, and he certainly was aggressive. The, tie, the score was tied at seven. Nine minutes to go in the second quarter. Fourth and eight at, his, uh, at the uh, Southern Utah 47-yard line. Dillingham not only did opt, uh, he opted not to punt, but they threw deep with the uh, true freshman quarterback, Jaden Rashada. He threw a perfect pass, a deep ball to Xavier Guillory, touchdown ASU. Uh, Rashada also he made a great throw in the final possession of the first half, a three-yard touchdown to Texas transfer Troy uh, Demir, and uh, that was the last touchdown of the ASU score, as it turns out. One thing that I think was somewhat alarming, specifically in the first half at least, is ASU really didn't really didn't really dominate the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball against their FCS opponent. Usually, when you have a mismatch, whether it's you know two FBS teams or FBS against an FCS opponent, uh, it's just a physical beating and domination at the line of scrimmage. That did not happen last night, at least in the first half for ASU. Here are some other random notes. On the offensive side, I thought Rashada was impressive. His deep ball accuracy was very impressive. Doug Haller gave us a heads up on that yesterday, and there's he made two, a couple of really good deep throws in this game. However, seemed to be somewhat erratic on the shorter throws. Uh, so we'll see that. I don't think that's terribly surprising. Uh, the other thing I don't think it was terribly surprising is he seemed to have massive problems reading some changing defenses uh, from Southern Utah, and I don't think that's unusual either for a true freshman. So I, I was impressed with Rashada. Finally got to see him play. I've heard about him for like three years, uh, literally like three years, and finally got to see him play. Meanwhile, Jalen Conyers, likely ASU's best offensive player, unfortunately left the game in the second quarter with a shoulder injury. After he had a, uh, uh, she caught a short pass and then he got a lot of yards after the catch. 
Uh, I'm not positive if he came back. In fact, I don't know if he came back in the game in the second half after the delay because I wasn't watching at that point. But it looked like he wasn't going to be coming back soon. So uh, hopefully he's okay. He's a good player. He's a really good player. Former Oklahoma you know, tight end back in the day. Might even played a little wide receiver at Oklahoma. Meanwhile, running back Cameron Scadabo, uh, who was the Big Sky's leading rusher in 2022 at Sacramento State, he looks like he could be pretty good. Uh, he'd be even better if he got some better blocking from the offensive line, which I didn't think was very good at all last night for ASU, at least in the first half. On defense, ASU allowed a seven-minute touchdown drive uh, in the second quarter. That tied the game at seven. On that drive, on that drive, excuse me, ASU just couldn't get off the field on third down. That was a massive problem in uh, the 2022 season. In fact, uh, I looked it up uh, in the second quarter when uh, during it after they gave up that touchdown. ASU was 11th in the Pac-12 last year in third down defense, and that whole drive was they couldn't get off the field on third down against a really inferior opponent. Up next for ASU, they will host Oklahoma State on September the 9th. Uh, ASU lost last season in Stillwater to Oklahoma State, 34-17. Spencer Sanders is no longer the quarterback at Oklahoma State after he was there for like six decades. Uh, he's gone on to Old Miss, and he might even be the star. He might even he might not he might not even be the starter at Old Miss uh, this year. That was at least the last I heard. Uh, still up for grabs between him and former USC transfer Jackson Dart, who was the Old Miss quarterback for the majority of last season. All right, so that's it for a brief ASU, uh, some some kind of a synopsis of the first half from last night. Uh, I was very unimpressed. Uh, in fact, I was disappointed. Uh, I didn't think they were, that they were going to be very good, but you know they're favored by 34 and you win by three. Uh, that's not a good start. I know it's the first game. I try when I watch these college games, especially not to make rash judgments on the first game of the season, but there wasn't much that stood out other than what I just mentioned there. And really there was almost nothing that stood out on defense to me. Meanwhile, the Cardinals made more roster moves on Thursday. They placed two players in injury reserve offensive lineman, Dennis Daly, and also edge rusher, my Jay Sanders. And the Cardinals elevated, uh, they actually uh, claimed, I should say, another player off waivers, Cameron, uh, Cameron O'Donnell, uh, um, you know, Carter O'Donnell, excuse me, uh, defensive lineman who was waived earlier this week by the Colts. Uh, O'Donnell was the seventh player the Cardinals claimed off waivers this week. And according to Pro Football Talk, that is the highest number of any team in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, after being dominated at Dodger Stadium, they're back on the field tonight off yesterday. Probably a good time to take a day off after the humiliation at Dodger Stadium on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Diamondbacks begin a three-game series tonight at Chase Field against another first-place team, this time the Baltimore Orioles. Pitching matchup Kyle Davies, who was good in his return from the injured list last Saturday against the Reds. Davies 1-5 on the season, however, the 693 earned run average against Cole Irvin, who was 1-3 for the Orioles this year, the 478. Uh, but Irvin's had a couple of really good starts here lately. Uh, he, I think, actually got sent to the minor leagues at one point. Either that or he was just uh, you know thrown into the bullpen for a while. But uh, he has been better of late 
uh, at least in one start I remember watching in the last uh, 10 days or so. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, Slade Chaconi. Uh, still 0-0, zero and zero, the 257 or run average. Actually got some swing and miss in his last start. Uh, so that was uh, something we hadn't seen much before. Against Kyle Bradish, who's been really good for the Orioles. In fact, I can make a case that Bradish has been the Orioles' best starting pitcher this year. Uh, he is 9-6, and six and he does have, also has a 303 earned run average, and that's better than Kyle Gibson's earned run average. So I guess statistically you can make that case that Bradish has been the Orioles' best starting pitcher. But just you know, eye test-wise, he's clearly been the best starting pitcher in my opinion. Sunday, TBA versus TBA, but uh, that's uh, Zach Gallon's day uh, as far as rest goes. So maybe it's a Zach Gallon game on Sunday. All right, around the National League West last night, wild card stuff type of things. Uh, we start with the wild card. The, uh, the Giants easily beat the Padres, but who doesn't at this point? Mac, Mike Yastrzemski now off the injured list. The Giants are getting healthier here. Kanriger came back early this week. Yastrzemski came back on Wednesday. Uh, he Last night he homered and drove in two runs. Jeff Junis was uh, you know the opener last night. He didn't give up a hit over the first four innings against the mighty Padres. It was actually 7-0 before the Padres got a hit last night in this game. Uh, yet I heard somebody else say this morning, well, but they, they've outscored their opponents this year. They have a positive run differential. They suck. I mean, I've been saying this forever. They're now eight and a half games out of the final wild card spot. So give it up on the Padres, people. Give me a break. Meanwhile, the Braves and the Dodgers delivered a playoff-level game last night. Ronald Acuna Jr. had quite a day. He got married in the morning, hit a grand slam, and then he stole his 62nd base uh, last night as the uh, the Braves led 7-1 uh, in this game. They ended up winning 8-7 uh, as they held off the Dodgers a late rally. Mookie Betts hit two home runs to, uh, to spark that late rally. It was almost three home runs. He had a ball close to the warning track in the ninth inning that would have uh, you know, tied the game. Uh, so Betts now has a career-high 38 home runs on the season. Uh, 12 of the 15 home runs in this game came on seven homers. That makes sense because these are two of the best you know, home run hitting teams in baseball. Meanwhile, Dodger pitcher Walker Bueller is going to begin a rehab assignment Sunday. Uh, the plan is he pitches two innings at AAA Oklahoma City. He'll make at least three rehab starts before he joins the Dodgers. Uh, now they're talking about him maybe being a starter or an opener uh, once they get to the postseason. Tonight, game two of the four-game series at Dodger Stadium. Atlanta is scheduled to go with Max Freed. 5-1 and one with a 285 earn run average. Went healthy. He's been good. Julio Urias, who's been up and down this season, Seems to be either really, really good or not good at all. And that leads to a 441 or run average when you're that inconsistent. He is 11-7 and in the season. It's hard to have a losing record as a Dodgers starting pitcher because they're really good. So wild card picture really quickly. Uh, the Phillies sitting at 59 losses. Cubs at 62. The uh, San Francisco Giants at 64. They're now one game ahead of Arizona with 65 losses, and the Reds are sitting at 66 losses. Miami's at 67, but they just continue to slide kind of uh, into the Atlantic Ocean at this point. They're, they're, they haven't been good for several weeks, even after the trade deadline, when it seemed like they made some good moves. 
All right. Coming up next, news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show at the National Roundup, including a little from the wire action and uh, whatever else I can jam into one segment to conclude today's spectacular one-hour radio program. Uh, Don't forget the extra point coming up next with Kayla hosting, and we'll get into some college football and uh, the – first big day of the season or you know, big weekend of the season games on there were some games last night i got must admit i didn't watch every single game last night uh watched some of, of you know, most of the games a lot of bad offense last night in college football i don't think anything to do with the play clock though why the scores were a little lower than some might anticipate i'm sure there are many people that are jumping to assumptions that oh the new clock rules this is going to lead to tons of unders this season i need to see a little more to make that conclusion the dan patrick show weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m this is just uh, something i like to call breakfast with big name guests timely sports information and more on ktus am 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. A little combination of rip from the headlines and from the wire here from the NFL. Rams coach Sean McVay said the Cooper Cup hamstring day-to-day. Apparently there's been a setback. A cup earlier this week said he'd be ready to go for week one, but apparently not ready to go right now. Meanwhile, Bengals coach Zach Taylor would not comment uh, and say that Joe Burrow would start week one against Cleveland. Burrow has returned to practice the last, uh, at least he did on Wednesday. I assume he was out there on Thursday also. Meanwhile, Vikings, uh, they signed tight end TJ Hawkinson on Thursday to a contract extension. Four years, $68 million. How much Hawkinson can contribute early in the season, I think, is questionable. He did not participate in any of the preseason games and uh, did very little in training camp. So is he ready to go? We'll see how that goes for them. Meanwhile, the Bills claim former Texans linebacker Christian Kirksey, who was a tackling machine in some of his days in Houston, also a team captain, and they waived him earlier this week with the new hierarchy in Houston apparently not in on Kirksey. Uh, But the Bills, as of last week, had yet to replace starting inside linebacker Tremaine Edmonds who left uh, via free agency in the offseason. So mm, some are assuming that Kirksey is going to be eventually the starting inside linebacker uh, replacing uh, Edmonds in and, uh, Buffalo. Meanwhile, uh, the NFL decided not to take action regarding uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, the Dolphins wide receiver, and his off-the-field offseason uh, altercation, let's put it that way. Meanwhile, the Patriots claim Matt Corral after the off the Panthers, so now they got like a hundred quarterbacks. You know, they went from you know like three to zero to one to you know four now. So we'll see how that goes. Also, the Patriots claim Jalen Rager. When we were talking about the Vikings last week, when they were practicing against the Cardinals, we mentioned that it appeared that Rager was going to be cut by the Vikings. He was. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick by the Eagles in 2020. He's already on his third team in the NFL. I mean, around college, uh, actually, let's do a little MLB here. According to kind of contrary to what we heard earlier in the week, the Mets' Pete Alonso now reportedly is expected to remain with the Mets next season. 
more importantly that we know for sure, as far as the Mets, they fired a bunch of front office employees on Thursday, which I can understand because they've been disappointing. Uh, those employees fired, including Director of Player Development uh, Kevin Howard, makes sense because they've got some players who haven't developed. Meanwhile, the Brewers did sign former American League MVP Josh Donaldson to a minor league contract. The Yankees just flat cut him earlier this week. And the fact that he couldn't get a major league contract at this point doesn't tell you too much about Donaldson. I don't know this is for sure. I don't know all the rules as far as postseason play. I thought you had to be on a major league roster today to be eligible for the postseason. So if uh, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm wrong about that, but he signed a minor league contract and I don't think he's going to be on the Brewers today uh, on this September the 1st. All right, that's it for a quick national roundup there. And by the way, the Diamondbacks hosting the Orioles tonight. And as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, Irvin against Davies, uh, the Orioles and, uh, and uh, Irvin, a you're basically a six to five favorite uh, consensus wise in the world in this game tonight against the Diamondbacks. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours, it's going to be the extra point hosted by Kayla. We get to plenty of college football, more phone call time, 602-260-1060, the first full day of college football. Only one top 25 matchup, which according to CBS Sports Network, that's the fewest Top 25 matchups in the first weekend, big weekend of a college football season in 20 years. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.